ladies, to another episode of the Fearless Mums Club podcast. I'm your host, Christine Drummond, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome one of my greatest friends, Val Gamer, to our podcast today. Yes, she is a mum, but she's also an entrepreneur. She's a kindred spirit. She's out there making an impact around her highest values, which is health and empowering women. And she loves adventure and variety, this lady. And I know you guys or you gals are going to get a lot of value from what Val has to offer um, as a parent. I watch her and I aspire to be like her as a parent as well. We get a lot of tips off each other. We have a good old girly chin wag every month. And um, Val, I'm so excited to introduce you to our listeners. We've got a very awesome regular listener, listener base of ladies who love our podcast and the variety that all our guest speakers bring. And I know that they're absolutely going to fall in love with you today as well. So Val, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your background, where did you grow up? What are you doing? How many kids do you have? Like fill us in. Who is Val Gamer? Oh, thank you so much for having me, honey. I just, I love our chats. It's just brings me so much joy. Um, thank you for everyone for listening. So my name is Val Gamer. I'm a mum, I'm a wife, a best friend and all of the above. And I met my gorgeous husband, wow, 17 years ago, 17 years ago, I met my husband in the Caribbean. I was a stewardess working on a motor yacht and he was a sailor. So it sounds very love, romancy, millsy and boonsy. We laugh about it now, but it really was love at first sight. And uh, one, two or three uh, vodkas and all of a sudden, and you know, we just literally hit it off 17 years ago. You know, those balmy hot summer nights in December, Caribbean, you know, you name it it was all happening and um I'll never forget when I met my husband I'm like man you know is he single is he is Australian he is Australian ladies he's from Newcastle Sydney and um we just we just connected and uh, it was just amazing and the funny thing was is that he worked on a yacht I worked on a yacht and we really built up this beautiful kind of love affair meeting port, leaving each other love notes, handing them out. And um, I think it just got to the point after a good few months, I just said, look, we just can't keep doing this. You know, if this is going to be a thing, let's just make it happen. So we did. And really, you know, the rest is history and the white picket fence and we travelled the world together. We basically followed the summer, Christine. We lived six months in the Caribbean, six months in the south of France, uh, doing the, all of uh, Europe. And we just basically served people that had a lot of money <laughs> and would love to come onto the yacht. And after a few years, um, I'm actually two years older than my husband. I, I really wanted to come home and settle. And uh, we came back to Perth. And that was back in, gosh, 2005. Uh, we started up business in landscaping and I got into my admin work. 2006, we got married. 2008, we had our first child, Shanika. And we then had our son in... 2010 Quinton so it sounds very millsy and boonsy it all just happened and it did but um yeah it's been the most amazing 17 years of ups downs bumps left rights you name it so um 
yeah, two gorgeous children. I am a food relationship facilitator. Um, I'm also a plant-based chef. I do workshops. I attend retreats. I hold retreats. And my, my thing that I really love is helping mainly women have a relationship with food. Really look at food from a nourishment point of view, a healthy way, how to plate up, and really get rid of any old belief system. Did I answer everything? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love that. I always love hearing um, how you and Sunny met and, you know, it just, it does. It sounds like a novel. You should actually write a book, I think. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's get to the nitty gritty of being a mum. What's the worst thing you've ever done as a mum, do you feel? Oh, look, I'm going to be really honest and raw here. I'm that mum that we're the odd sock family. Like, I do not match my children's socks. Heck, I don't even match my own or my husband's. We have a huge basket in the laundry and all the socks going there. I don't know what's up with our, our washing machine, but it must eat them. And then when I get really too lazy, I just go and buy brand new socks from Kmart, as you do. But I guess what's the worst thing um, I've ever done as a mum? I've, I've packed the wrong lunch boxes. I've forgot lunch boxes. I'm that mum that gets caught up in fairyland and being a big vision and doing this and doing that. Um, I forget things. Thank goodness for our mum's WhatsApp chat when I know that it's uh, they've got a taking a, a gold coin because it I'm that mum that needs that reminder on that mum's I'm just that mum that just forgets on when we're doing those swimming lessons forgetting the bather bag um but look hey there's a lot of love in our home and to me that's the main thing <laughs> I totally agree I totally get and so many mums are going to be able to relate to that Val because we always I guarantee that at some stage on your journey as a mom over the school years, you will forget to do something. You know? And I used to be on top of it. I, I was that mum that other mums would contact to go, you know, is it a public holiday or when's the school carnival or what was that in the new, like I was filling other mums in, but the last, since we moved to the country, I'm the mum that has no idea. I have no idea. I'm not reading the newsletters. I have no So I'm now relying on other mums for that information. It's so handy to have one of the mums live in the street behind me, actually, and she fills me on so much. So, Noelle, if you listen to this podcast, thank you. I love that you know everything <laughs> and where we need to be. Um, okay, cool. Well, what do you love most about being a mum? What would you say is, is one of the greatest gifts of being a mum? Uh, one of the greatest gifts would be truly that our children are our teachers. Like our children have taught not only myself, but my husband so many lessons. They've taught us to be more patient, more resilient, uh, raise our standards with different things and, and actually help us be that inner child again. And to be really honest, I think, Christine, that we become this mum. We wear these different hats of mum. Then we put the, the gym hat on and then we're picking up the dog poos and then we're the chef and we're doing all of those different things. And we forget to play. We forget to be playful. And I don't mean like, ha ha. I mean, you know, really that getting in there and that deep belly laugh and rolling around and having sleepovers in your children's bedroom and doing weird, wacky things and doing the moonwalk around the, around the kitchen table like I do, you know, with the kids. And my son's like, 
mom, you're embarrassing me with my friends. Like, didn't I not tell you? You know, you can't do that. But, you know, for me, my children really, really helped me ground myself and get back to that little Valerie that we all have with inside of us. And I think we all take life too damn serious these days. I totally agree. And I, and I love that, honey. And as entrepreneurs as well, it's so hard to switch off from the business sometimes and just be a mum. And because we kind of juggle work around our kids and everything like that. So I love that you incorporate, you know, playtime consciously into your day. And, you know, we do it in our household as well. I love building cubby houses. I love treasure hunts. So, you know, my daughter's love language is um, gifts and it doesn't matter what the gift is. It could just be an I love you in her lunchbox and she just goes nuts. She loves that kind of stuff. So it's so good that, you know, there's other mums out there that, you know, understand that they are our greatest teachers and they do help ground us. And, you know, someone said to me the other day, Christine, as hard as it is having kids in this day and age compared to when they had them, she said, this is the best time of your life. You will look back and you will realize that this is actually the best time. It's, it can be the most challenging, but it's also the most rewarding and the most fun that you will have because in 10 years, they probably won't even want to hold our hand, know our name. They probably won't want to see us anymore, you know, so just enjoy it while the love is still there. So I love that you brought that up, honey. Um, What's the greatest bit of advice that someone's given you or the greatest lesson that's helped you in your role as a, as a mum? Yeah, really good question. I think um, knowing not only your love languages, but knowing your children's love languages. And if I can really just share a really beautiful example, I think, uh, and to be really honest with you and all the listeners, is I was such a nervous mum. My firstborn, I'm an only child. My husband's an only child. And so we never grew up in large families. And I remember having my daughter and, you know, really making sure everything was very calculated, what time we fed her, all of these different things. And I really felt like that helicopter mum. I was just always helicoptering around and I felt nervous. And I just felt I wasn't present enough. And to be really honest, I didn't understand that we really do connect from heart to heart. And the reason why I wanted to share this is I'll never forget this pivot point in time in my life is that as mums, uh, you know, we're always busy. You know, if we're not hanging out the washing, we're doing this, we're doing that. And I'll never forget that our children look at us as a battery pack. So I remember I was cooking, I was making a cake one day and I remember getting the cake out of the oven, Christine, and my daughter Shanika came up to me and says, um, you know, went to come and give me a hug. And, you know, me just thinking, gosh, don't come near the oven, it's hot. I said, honey, quick, move away. I'll be right with you soon. Not thinking at that time her love language is touch. And in that moment, Christine, she needed her battery charged and a hug. So instead, I didn't do that. And I said, honey, just quickly move away from the oven. I'll be right there. She's walked away not feeling love. Obviously, I didn't get the lesson. I didn't understand what, you know, love language was. And my little boy, Quinton, his is all about recognition. And let's face it, kids do this at the most awkward time. I'm hanging the washing, chasing the dog, picking up the dog poos. And my little son, Quinton, comes out, mommy, mommy. 
look at my Lego boat. And I've got bras and knickers wrapped around my head, you know, doing all the laundry. And I said, Quentin, I'll be in there in a second. Let, my, let me just do this. Give me five minutes. I think that's the most powerful, it's not powerful, but it's a phrase we all use. Just give us five minutes. He's walked away not feeling love. I've come inside and both kids have started a bit of an argument. And in that moment, I realised I didn't understand my children's love languages. So what would my best advice be? Is number one, know your love language. You have to know yours. You've got to fill your cup up. And then you need to know your children's and know that they will not be the same. My daughter is touch and quality time. My son is recognition that whole, look at me, I'm playing basketball, you know, and also um, quality time. And for any mums out there listening or mums-to-be, please take this time to know your children's love language because, you know, I just couldn't understand why there was always that four o'clock crazy time and I get that it's the dinner rush, but there was something within me that I knew there was more. And I had to really look back and ask myself, they hadn't felt like they'd connected to their heart or my heart all day. And let's face it, when we're not feeling that through our heart space, we're going to react in the world. And that, gosh, Christine, that has been the biggest game changer as a parent. And it's been the most profound experience ever. I love that, honey. And we've spoken about the love languages previously on our podcast. But if you haven't read the book, there is actually a test you can do online to find out what your love language is, what your partner's love language is, and what your kids' love languages are. So just go and um, Google the love languages and you'll be able to find that out. And Val's 100% right. You know, once you know what your child's love language is, it changes the game, it changes your relationship. And, you know, even finding out what your parents' love languages are um, can help strengthen that relationship as well. So it's so powerful. And, you know, Val, you know me, I'm a hugger. I I love physical touch. And, um, you know, I usually if I meet someone for the first time, I go in with a hug and say, oh, I'm a hugger. Is that okay? And this one time... I, I didn't say that and I just went straight in with the hug and then I explained myself after and this lady hates physical touch and she said, no, it's not okay. And I was like, oh no, like, you know, because <laughs> I, I, I like to give physical touch because there's people out there that go days, weeks, months without getting a hug, without getting any sort of physical touch at all. And I think it's a really great way to break down barriers and connect with people and that was a very good lesson for me to really, you know, know my boundaries and, and respect other people's boundaries as well. So I think like for me, Val, when I found out what my kids' love languages were, we're definitely not perfect parents. However, we don't have the bratty kids. We don't have the tantrums, you know, and I just feel like it takes it takes that relationship between mother and son or mother and daughter to a deeper level and allows us to be better listeners as well, to be more conscious and to make it, stop making parenting all about us. We're the ones that usually whinge all the time to other parents about how hard it is and stuff like that. These kids are not there to give us a hard time. They're having a hard time. You know, they're fumbling their way through that next rite of passage. 
And we need to be able to connect and listen and, you know, love them at the level that where they want to be loved. And if you do that, it's going to be so much easier um, to be able to get them to do things within the, within the family unit. And that's what I love about the love languages. And if you haven't read the book or if you haven't done any of the, the um, assessments, then please go and check it out. So I love that you brought that up, Val. Um, okay, you've told us a couple of embarrassing moments um, for your son around you moonwalking, and I haven't seen you moonwalk, actually. You've seen me worm before. I haven't seen you moonwalk, so maybe we need to have a worm walk-off or something. Oh, um, what are some embarrassing moments where you've been embarrassed or the kids have been embarrassed as a mum? Like, it can, has that, are any coming to mind? You know, I think there's just so many. I think it's just a, a, a part of life, to be honest, you know, and... Oh, where was I? I think, look, we have an 11-year-old and a 9-year-old and, and then at the moment they're at that age where they have their friends over and they have a sleepover and um, the other day uh, we caught up with another lady who, who has a daughter and my son, my 9-year-old, kept saying to me, Mum, just be normal. Like, you know what, just be normal. I said, well, what's normal, Quinton? And I was cracking jokes and I'm saying this. And Quinton's like, mum, just be normal. You don't get it, okay? And I started realising, thinking, okay. So he's hit that time, the bad jokes, you know, making, making you know, things that, you know, I thought was funny to him just don't seem funny at all. At all. So I think to answer your question, like, what are some embarrassing things? I think I just live a life of always just being a galah. And I think now my children are starting to see that. You know, I can't pull the, the cotton over their eyes, Christine. So every day is embarrassing. But you know what? We laugh. We have fun. Um, you know, when I'm cooking dinner, I, I grab the cucumber. I grab the zucchini. I use it as my microphone. Okay, ladies. Don't go to that place if what you're thinking. I use it as a microphone. You know, I listen to Michael Jackson. I listen to Elton John. I listen to all the old school music. And there's a reason for that. I don't want my children knowing just today's music. I don't want them knowing doom, doom, doom the whole time. So my children can recite all of Elton John, Michael Jackson, Fleetwood Mac. I mean, and it's just me on the, the cucumber as a microphone pretending I'm Stevie bloody nicks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. That's so cool, Val. And we do something similar, but around the dinner table, after we go through our favorite parts and everything like that, we, we put some tunes on and everyone gets to put something on the playlist and cue it. And we're the same. We've got a record player as well. And we really want to instill in these kids that there was a time where there was great music <laughs> and that's no offense to the modern day music but it's great for the kids to know um, variety of different genres and different artists and that music wasn't always this doof doof and you know um what do they call it? like all the computerized voices and stuff these days that happen it doesn't even sound like the person when you go and listen to them live you know so <laughs> i love i love that you brought that up and music is it speaks to our soul in a different way than than people can, you know, like there's something about music that just can, it can change your mood in an instant. When you put a, a song on that brings back a memory or something like that, it's just amazing. And, I, and I've got a kick-ass playlist that I listen to that it's called, it's called my pump up playlist. So if I'm ever 
feeling a little bit down, I just whack this playlist on and every single song is like one of my all-time favourites and just pulls me out of that funk, you know? Well, music embody, allows you to embody embody different parts of you. Everything's about movement and flow. And I think all of this mindset work is amazing, but it's also about connecting to the heart and our intuition and moving the body and self-expression. And I, and I just, music for me is just, you know, you just got to think of your favourite song and your, your foot starts to tap. It's, it's so important. So important. It is, it is. getting to the groove, ladies. We want to we hear about all you ladies out there dancing to your favourite tunes this week. <laughs> all right. So next question, honey. Do you have any um, philosophy around being a mum or do you have any, like, traditions in your household or any morals that you try and instil in your family? Look, I think um, I think for us, it's it's bringing a lot of fun, a lot of laughter into the home. Um, my husband and I obviously were brought up very differently. My husband was brought up in a lot of fun, uh, always cracking jokes. Where I was probably brought up in a little bit more of a serious world, which was fine. Uh, no talking at the dinner table and all of that stuff, and that just come back from different traditions. So. You know, I think to answer your question, it's just always having fun, always having fun as much as possible, um, respecting each other, no phones at dinner, you know, having that, you know, technology time, um, which is on when it's needed and it's time, but also it's off, um, very much talking about what we're grateful for, um, you know, loving each other i always say love you shanika love you quentin love you sunny and you know our children are saying that back to us and being really um open with our feelings in the home i think so many times now um people don't talk about their feelings they don't lean into vulnerability and i can honestly say from my own childhood is i didn't understand how to express my emotions and feelings and I would let things bottle up and then one little thing would be kaboom, I would explode. And I think we've learned as a family that we always, we, we all love each other and we all understand that everyone has different opinions and it's okay to have your own opinions. But at the end of the day, treat people how you would like to be treated. And that is just our number one key in the house. Yeah, I love that. And so, so important, honey. Um, yeah, there's just so many little, th it's the little things that we do each day that build the characteristics in these kids that are going to give them the best opportunities and, and a way to succeed or excel in life, you know. And for me, I loved that, you know, what you just said around the respect and everything like that. And um, and telling them that you love them. You know, when I was growing up, my dad never said that to us. Even though we knew that he did, he never said it, you know. But now he's going through his own challenges with his dementia. He says it all the time, you know. So um, I think it's so important because at the end of the day, everybody wants to feel like a somebody. Everyone wants to feel loved. And that's the greatest gift that you can give people is to show them your love, your unconditional love. You know, and I, I think that's um, that's an incredible lesson. So thank you for sharing that. Um, awesome. Now you spoke before about being a bit of a nervy mum when you first started out. Knowing what you know now, what would you tell your youngest self as a first-time mama? You know what? I think you can 
what would I tell myself? I think just to be really, really present. Don't get too caught up in all the textbooks. Try not to listen to everyone else. And I think only you, only you know your child. And I think uh, I, I really got caught up by trying to be that perfect, and inverted commas, perfect mum. You know, the white picket fence, you know, making sure dinner was cooked, everything was clean. Uh, if my daughter, you know, had a bit of a spew, I'd quickly change her clothes. Like I, and I didn't realise at the time that it just pushed her away, just wanting to, you know, at one stage, I, I even had to say to my daughter, like, honey, you've got to brush your hair. Like, I think I just forced so much cleanliness onto her and perfect that, it was just too much for her. And I'm really open with that now. And I had to really dig deep to admit to myself that I was just, I just tried to, I felt like I had to just nail motherhood. And if I didn't uh, nail motherhood and if I didn't get this right, I'm a bad person. And, you know, and I'm open to share that. It, it took a long time for me to conceive. It took a good 18 months and, so when our beautiful daughter came along, it was just like, I've, I've just got to do everything so right. I've just got to do this. I've just got to do that. You know, and I remember having a, a scheduled time on the fridge and setting alarm what time I would wake her up to feed her. I, I just never really went with the flow. And, you know, there's a lesson in that and there's a blessing in that and I totally understand that. But if I could turn the clock back, it would be, just be more present because time really goes like that and if i'm really honest i feel like there's been patches of my life when our children were so little that i was always like i can't wait for them to crawl now i can't wait for them to walk and i really had to ask myself am i just kind of wishing for the next stage and not being present with this stage and i'm really open to share that because you know I'm 40 years of age, I've lived half my life and that's not doom and gloom, that's reality and there's there's patches when my children come to me now and say, mum, remember this, remember that and I actually can't and it's not old age, it's not old age, it's that I don't know if I was present in that moment and that's something I have to live with for the rest of my life. So to any brand new mamas out there, please, um, I it's, it's beautiful, it's new, it's exciting, but really just cherish, be present, don't get caught up on the, being that textbook mum, just you know your children, you know their heartbeat, you know the cries, and just tune in and listen and love to that. I love that, honey. And isn't it funny as well, when you're a brand new mum, you feel like everyone's judging you, your every move. <laughs> especially the in-laws and the, you know, your parents and you're just like, oh my gosh. And it's so funny how, you know, sometimes you're in a group of people and they will start to chat. Um, I don't know if this happens to you, but sometimes I'll be in a group and people will start to chat about the parenting of another couple and I'll have to go, hang on a minute. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's just different. Like. We all parent so differently and we're all trying to do the best with the resources that we've got. And some of us are more conscious parents than others. And that's okay. 
Some of us have different values, different focuses. Um, but for our listeners, what I want with this podcast is that we all become more aware and we're more conscious of the role that we play in shaping the generations to follow. And as a mum, we really are the CEOs of the household. We, are, we hold a lot of the power in how the whole, whole household operation runs. And we got to take our hat off to ourselves and really recognise the job that we're doing. And us not getting it right all the time is friggin' amazing for those kids because what they're not getting from us they're getting from someone else and they're okay. We can't screw them up. And at the end of the day, we don't own them anyway. You can give these kids the best guidance, the best morals, the best upbringing, and they're still going to be able to make their own decisions later on in life. And some will be wrong and some will be right. And they'll hang around the wrong people sometimes. And it doesn't matter because you don't own them. You did the best that you could. And if you just remember that, everything else I think is just way less stressful. <laughs> You said a really good important. We don't, we don't own them. They and you think you do, but we don't. Totally. We don't. No. <laughs> and um, yeah, they're their own people. They're their own individuals. And through some of our belief system and our morals and values, they'll form their own belief systems and values and morals, and they'll just go on their own path, their own journey. So, mums, if you are one of those freaky mums like Val and I used to be, and trying to get shit together and the perfect mum all the time let it go let it go <laughs> I love it. it's going to be okay just lose control a little bit it's okay and get a little bit silly we get so silly in our household too sometimes um it's fun you got to you got to unleash that inner child don't lose that fun loving girl that you used to be otherwise life will be boring yeah absolutely all right, moving on, girlfriend. What's one thing you have absolutely nailed as a mum? Like, you just go, thou gamer, you nailed that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, there's so many. No, I'm only joking. Uh, <laughs> I think, um, I, you know, manners, and I know it sounds silly, but actually being kind to people. And it might sound really silly, but it's such a strength and I think it's a skill set that only that comes from the family home or the household or wherever that child is living. That's not a skill set or a resource you're learning a textbook. It's not something you learn on the basketball court. It's not something you're learning drama. It's a, it's a resource that is purely taught from the child's um, parent or their guardian or their carer. And actually, you know, teaching your children to be kind and mannered. And, you know, I don't want to kind of give myself a big head here, but, you know, I when our children have gone to a friend's house, they've always said your children are so polite, they're not rude, they're, they're, I mean, and that feels good. Because guess what? No one ever made it in life, you know, being rude no one ever made it in life not having manners you know you can only just get so by but at the end of the day if you're a dick you're a dick to be honest and let's just face it and people don't want to hang around with idiots but if you're polite you're patient you're kind you give back to others you talk nicely to each other people will want to be around you no matter what skill set you have whether you're good at basketball or not whether you're good at drama or not or whatever 
when you are a gorgeous human being, it makes all the difference. And I can honestly say, hand on heart, my husband and I have poured so much into our children around that, that um, I know that, you know, we, we've done a good job. I love that. Manners are very, very important. Maybe you could, um, you know, teach other people's kids manners. <laughs> it's so important. It really is because let's face it, we've had that play date where we think, oh my God, that kid's a turd. Didn't even take his plate to the table, didn't even say thank you. And it's, it's not on him, it's just he hasn't been taught that. And that's just how it is. And I really think in this day and age with technology, love it or hate it, the gaming, all of these different things out there, people are so engrossed in, 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 in a machine and they forget how to talk to people. And that comes from talking, learning patience, being kind. It's, it's an asset that's so vital for, for them to grow up and have a, a loving and healthy relationship, Christine, for them to have a thriving business in whatever they do to, you know, really succeed in their hobbies. But people aren't going to want to hang out with you if you're an art. It's just the fact. Yep. So that to me is something I can honestly say we've, um, we've done a good job with. We've got the tick. And um, I actually haven't met your kids in person, so uh, I am coming over your way. So I will be the testament to this when I get over there. <laughs> I'm going to put them under a test. Oh, um, gosh, look out. But I do know you and Sunny, and I do know that you are very good people. You always treat people with the, the most utmost respect and kindness, and, and that's why we're great friends. You know, we've got a lot of similar values and, and morals, and I love that. So um, I think that's a great one. And we are going to finish with what are your top three hacks? So for any mums out there listening, what do you, what's three bits of advice, three tips, three hacks that you've got for other mamas? Well, okay. So one would be is create an experience. Um, and what I mean, even if it means it's something as simple as taco night or whether it's Friday night um, movies or whatever it might be, or, you know, night. And the thing is, is, is this, You've got 16 summers with your children. And when I first heard this uh, quote many years ago, I was like, oh, what do you mean 16 summers? But reverse engineer that. When you're 17, 18, 19, you're not generally hanging down the beach with your friends. I mean, with your parents. It's all with your friends. But one thing you do remember is the experiences you have. So where can you inject different experiences within the home? Like I said, whether it's domino night, you know night, uh, burger night, get the kids involved around that experience and let them think, oh, remember, Dad, you made that crappy burger that time and you burnt your, or whatever it might be. Create an experience. Um, another hack or tip would be is to another tip or hack and you know once again I don't know if this is irrelevant but I find it works well in, in our household is starting the morning with a really clean kitchen and so what I mean is the night before make sure you've got a clean kitchen when you wake up in the morning I have their bowls ready their smoothies are pre-made the night before their school bags are ready their clothes are ready why because when my children wake one is really sleepy for 20 minutes 
and my other can just eat straight away. So Quinton's like, oh, morning. I mean, this kid takes 20 minutes to wake up. But Shanika's straight into it. So, you know, it's not that I do things for them, but I just have everything laid out. Uh, we have a bit of a checklist, six, uh, checklist system. Why? Because they love encouragement. They love to think, oh, I've done my teeth. I've made my bed. So that works really well. They all love rewards. Um, and another tip and trick or hack would be is um, I think create a really good healthy routine around food. And I know that is probably pretty cliche, but really get the kids involved creating food and when you are creating food explain why cucumber is good it's great for your hair and nails and zucchini is good for this and pumpkin and tomato and this and lettuce and actually edu educate yourself not only you but your children with food because this is the thing babe is that food is just another beautiful energy source and I can honestly say it's how you have that relationship with food. You don't want your children growing up having a bad relationship with food, especially if you have a daughter, okay, and get so occupied about what weight she is and weighing herself every day and calorie controlling. So helping your children have a healthy, abundant relationship with food and what food does within the body I mean, we have to eat, drink every day. And when you put bad food into not only your body and your children's body, they really get stuck on that sugar stimulant cycle, which clouds their judgment. It clouds their, you know, their second brain, which is their, you know, the gut health and all of those things. So really, really educate your children around food. That has been a game changer in our family household. And now it's, we make our zucchini noodles and we do this and we do that. And my son's like, man, I feel so good playing b-ball. I feel great. I've got more energy. Mum, my hair and nails is growing. It must be all that cucumber. And I think, it, I think food gets so underplayed these days and people don't realise you don't eat or drink, you, you die. So why not have a healthy relationship with it? I love that, Val. And I was talking to another mum today around the pressures of food and trying to get your kids to just eat something different or eat something green or, you know, and then the kids feel anxious and anxiety around it. And then it becomes this big fight at the dinner table. And so we've got to kind of get a little bit creative. We have to start the education process while they're young you know we've got this beautiful um science book that explains where the food comes in what happens throughout the body you know how it goes through our intestines how it gets cleansed um with the with the kidneys and the liver and then how it gets broken down in the stomach and then how it comes through the digestive tract and how you eliminate the waste and the kids see this and, and it's all explained. And then when we're the same, like um, my daughter has heard me do the signature food talk numerous times, you know, and if you haven't heard about signature foods, basically every fruit and vegetable that we eat represents a different body part and it can really nourish and repair and protect um, the cells around that body part. And, you know, I love hearing her when friends come over 
she's educating them around those foods and telling them which part of the body it's nourishing and you know so they're like little sponges and the earlier you start the education the easier and the better it is for them um, as they transition through the different phases throughout their life now our taste buds change all the time don't they Val? you're not going to have the same taste buds that you had when you were a kid and the same with your kids your kids taste buds are going to change so don't put pressure on them all the time like understand that sometimes they're going to love avocados and then next week they might not avocados might repulse them and that's okay they're nourished they they can get their good fats in another way and i think so often we put pressure on our kids to finish every last mouthful that's on their plate don't waste that food and we teach them to overeat or we teach them to emotionally eat or you know, and they do have that poor relationship. And I know this is such a passion for you. Um, this is your area of expertise. Um, so we'll have to get you back on another podcast to share more about this side of things. Like, would love to. And it's something now, you know, being a now certified plant-based chef and, you know, practicing under um, a raw food and naturopath and understanding the science and all of those different things. It's, you know, you eat with your eyes first, you know, and create an experience around that. And um, I'm just so passionate about what food does within the body, but really having that healthy relationship because it's not about food, just food. It's about how your food, like you said, breaks down, how do you eliminate it, all of those different things. And I just think in this day and age, people just live on convenience and they're all bloody blocked up. <laughs> you know, and they're getting jacked up with stimulants. And Christine, it, it's dangerous. It's dangerous what's happening out there. And let's face it, we know our children, and for the mums listening, we know they're going to get to that age of 17, 18, 19. They're going to, they're going to get drunk, okay? They're going to have hangovers. They're going to try things. They're going to go and have a dirty ask kebab, all of that stuff. But if you can build that relationship and what feels good in the body and what doesn't feel good, oh my gosh, your children will just go through that phasing life and they'll come out the other end and it will be life-changing for them because we really have to look at, at our health and we have to look at how food is produced and how we eat food. So, oh my God, I could talk all day about relationships of food. It's something I geek out on. <laughs> I know, and I absolutely love your passion around it. And I think uh, another thing, being a parent and having people over to your home, whether it's a sleepover um, you know, one of your, your kids' friends having a sleepover or whether you're hosting a, a birthday party, you have the opportunity to be a positive influence on those people. So, you know, something that I do for my kids every birthday is I make them a, a raw food birthday cake. Like, and I try and get really creative around it. So last one we did was a golden gay time cake and it was made from all raw ingredients. It was delicious. Everybody loved it. They couldn't believe that it was raw, but that I'm showing other mums that it doesn't have to, you don't have to follow the masses. You don't have to have all these colors and preservatives and numbers that are causing behavioral problems and health conditions and inflammation in our kids. We can actually hold a healthy birthday party and have all the food be eaten. Like kids love it. And Statistics also show, Val, and, and you would know this too, that the more involved kids are in the kitchen, the more likely, I think it's something like 80%, they're 80% more likely to eat the food if they've helped prepare it. 
So growing your own food, showing them where it comes from. Like I love seeing my daughter run out to our veggie patch and pick the tomatoes off or grab the herbs. She loves herbs. She'll just eat them straight off the plant. And, and that to me is, you know, educating and giving her an experience as well. So when you talk about experiences with food, I love that. And even just in our mum's community, we hold different cuisine nights as well. So everyone brings a dish around, whether it's a Mexican theme, everyone brings a Mexican theme dish and we try and put a healthy spin on those dishes as well. So um, I love that we get to get playful with food as well. You know, it's, it's, oh, it is, it's the, the medicine of the future. If you want to, if you want a healthy lifestyle and a healthy body, you, it's what you put in your body and what you expose it to that makes a difference. And I'm passionate about it too. We could go on all day. We need to do another podcast around this, I think. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> We'd love to. You know, I look at our body as a temple, but for children, I look at it as a flower. So you've just got to, I, well, I talk to Shanique and Quentin and say, you know, look, are you watering your flower right now? Are you feeling a bit wilted? Are you feeling tired? You know, you've got to stand back up like a beautiful rose. And they're like, wow, mommy, I never thought of that. Got to give it fertilizer, got to give it food. And in, in their mind and their world, they understand that. And um, that has been the biggest game changer for us. Love that. I love that. Val, tell everyone where they can find you. Where can they follow you? Um, you know, if people have loved this podcast and they want to know more about Val Gamer and what she's up to, where can they go? Oh, thank you, honey. So please check me out on Instagram. It's Valerie Gamer, G-A-M-E-R underscore, as in, yes, game with an R, Valerie Gamer. And no, I don't game. So Valerie Gamer underscore. Um, check me out there. You'll see all my creations. Uh, got quite a few different things going on, which it's all on my Instagram and then just Valerie Gamer on Facebook. So I'm looking to create my own podcast uh, this year and do tutorials and um, IGTV. So I've got a lot planned for this year, um, but I'm excited and I just want to just keep giving back and really helping people, um, especially women, really, really create that healthy relationship with food. It's just vital. We need it. The world needs it. And uh, when you can really energize yourself in a different manner, you show up differently in your mind, in your gut, and especially in your heart space. And that to me is the magic of life. I love that. Val, you are an incredible soul. I love you as a friend and you're someone that just brings so much light to my life and so many around you. I cannot wait to see what you get up to this year. I know you've been on your own journey of um, evolution and I cannot wait to you know, see what comes of it all. And our listeners, again, thank you for tuning in um, every week to our podcast. 2020 is going to be an incredible year for so many. I can really feel it. And I feel like it's the year of connection and kindness where you know, the consciousness of the planet is raised and we really start looking out for one another instead of tearing each other down. So thank you, Val, for jumping on our podcast. Thank you, listeners, for, um, for supporting us. And we'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you. Bye for now.